on the table on the side and in the back we've got a little handout of the things we believe. And the things we believe are listed there and there's 10 items. We've been going over those 10 items this year. Um, thus far I've covered the first four out of the first five. The fall, scripture alone, uh, predestination and salvation. Uh, the only one of the four that I have not covered yet this year is the Trinity, and I'll do that, Lord willing, this morning. Uh, for your way of remembrance, there's five more. There's five countercultural statements of belief. Uh, evangelism we actually covered last week. So in the weeks to come, I hand, I, Lord willing, uh, I can't guarantee it'll be one, two, three, four, right in a row, but we'll be covering family worship, gender, life, and a young earth, and those will be coming in forthcoming weeks. But right now we want to go back to uh, uh, the Trinity. And right there in Genesis 1.26, God said something pretty interesting on the sixth day. He said, let us make man in our image after our likeness. Um, those are three pronouns there. They're all plural. And if God is up there all by himself, who is he talking to? And I believe he was talking to the Trinity of persons. And Lord willing, we'll look at plenty of scripture to show that. One of the things I want you to notice here is when I think of the Trinity, um, you know, when you think about it, you go, oh no, this is one of those boring sermons. Well, it might be a boring sermon, but I'd like to try to take it and look at it from a slightly different angle. In my opinion, everything that God made, I can see the stamp of the Trinity on it. It was almost like if you take a great big painting and you see the little signature in the corner, you're going to see the Trinity and the thing of everything he made, which includes us. Salvation, our service, our ministry, the local church, um, the church as a whole, uh, baptism, ordination, prayer, creation, judgment, ordinances, and their layer upon layer of Trinity. Uh, last night, I went to a little birthday party for my grandson, and my granddaughter Mary showed me a little game that has colors and shapes. And she came up to me and she says, I saved this one for you, triangle, that's your favorite shape. And I have no idea why she said that. She had no idea I was preaching on that. But I said, when I taught geometry, I came to the conclusion that triangles rule. And I'm serious. What we did is uh, we studied all kinds of geometric shapes. And sometime around January or February, we put all that knowledge to use and we built a toothpick bridge. And it turned out that the bridge that were formed with triangles were way stronger. They held two, three times as much weight as boxes and rectangles and, and different kind of shapes like that. So they are very, very strong, and it's no surprise to me for that. So we're going to see a triune of persons in just about everything we see in Scripture. And I hopefully that'll just give you uh, just an awe of the God that we, we live. He could have done it other ways, but he chose to use the three persons. So that being said... Let's go forward. Okay, just to show you that there's a triune that exists, I've got three verses I would like to read to you. First John 5, 7, three bear record in heaven, the Father, the Word, and the Holy Ghost. These three are one. So there's three persons in one. Can you explain that to me? No. But he said it, and I believe it. So in simple faith, I just, with childlike faith, I just believe it. Okay. 2 Corinthians 13, 14, Paul closed this epistle, and he says, the grace of Jesus Christ, the love of God, and the communion of the Holy Ghost. All three of them were risked there in that salutation, or that, that, that goodbye. Matthew 29, 8, 29, I'm sorry, Matthew 28, 19, 
And just before Jesus left, he gave a commandment to his disciples. He says, go teaching all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost. So all three are all intertwined, and we're going to see how intertwined they really are. But that's important to do that in all three names. Okay. I want to show you that they're one in being. We are seeing a lot of crazy things being written about the Holy Spirit and Jesus Christ right now, um, saying... Uh, things that the, he's not really God or he's not one with God. And, and the whole, there's some funny things about the Holy Ghost. And uh, that, that's pretty important. They're one and the same. In John 10 and verse 30, the Father and the Son, they are one. So they're one in being. In Romans 8 and 9, the Spirit of God and the Spirit of Christ are used interchangeably. And then in Philippians 2, 1, the consolation of Christ and the comfort of the Spirit are so intertwined you can hardly split them apart. So I look at that and I think some ways, how do you split them apart? And I don't know. It's, it's kind of like saying, looking at me, and how do you split Dolph Painter the father from Dolph Painter the husband? I don't know how to do that. But, but, but they're one in being, but they're two different personalities with different for functions, and we'll see some of those in a second. And then the last one I want to show you, just to show this trinity of beings, 1 Corinthians 12, 4, and 5, there's a diversity of gifts and in, in administrations, but it says, by the same Spirit and the same Lord. Okay, they're the same. Acts 5, 3, and 4, if you're lied to the Father, you're lied to the Spirit. And then finally in 1 Peter 1, 11, the Son teaches of the Spirit, the Spirit teaches of the Son. You see how intertwined they are? It, 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 it's, it's, I don't know how to separate them, but God does have a three of them in being, and I want to show you how that they're all present in everything. Okay? So, with that being said, I've got to give a warning right here, <clears throat> because... When we're looking at this and we're looking at the Trinity, the first verse I want to read to you is in 2 Corinthians eleven four. If he cometh and preaches another Jesus, which, whom we have not preached, or if ye receive another spirit whom you have not received, or another gospel ye have not attempt, accepted. There are counterfeits out there. So just because it says Jesus, just because it says the Spirit, just because it says uh, God the Father, we've got to make sure it's the right God, the right Father, and the right Jesus Christ, and the right Spirit. Uh, that's why we as primitive Baptists are, are kind of picky about baptism. We ask, okay, we baptize you in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost. Which Son, which Father, which Holy Ghost? That's just our uh, pe- peculiar bent on things. But that's important, okay? Um, Isaiah fourteen thirteen and 14, Satan has said in his heart, I will ascend into heaven. I will exalt my throne. I will sit upon Mount of the Congregation. I will ascend to the heights of the clouds. I will be like the Most High. He's an imposter. He's a counterfeiter. He's an imitator. And he does things. And he, he'll take, like when he was challenging Jesus Christ. You notice he quoted scripture, but he just changed it a little bit. Or he's quoting scripture and he just moved it a little out of context to get a whole different meaning. He's a great imitator. We've got to be careful, Okay. Galatians 1.8, But though we, or an angel from heaven, preach any other gospel unto you than that which was preached unto you, let him be accursed. No changes whatsoever. And then finally, 1 John 4.1, Beloved, believe not every spirit, but try the spirits whether they are of God, because many false prophets are gone into the world. So I want to talk to you about the Trinity. It's the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost, but I want to make sure it's the right Father, the right Son, and the right Holy Ghost. It's the one of the Bible. We want to exalt that one and that Trinity. Okay, so I love that. Let's let's start getting into this. This is going to be the outline of my sermon. Okay, the word 
By no surprise, the word Godhead is used three times in Scripture. Okay? And that's going to be my outline. The first time I'm going to, we're going to look at is in Colossians 2, 8, 9. Let me read that passage to you. Beware lest any man spoil you through philosophy and vain deceit after the tradition of men, not after Christ. For in him dwelleth all the fullness of the Godhead bodily. There is something in God that the whole fullness of the Godhead shows up. So it's not like when God does something and he saves someone or when God does something and someone's getting baptized or when God is getting prayed to, the whole Godhead is present. And you think, really? I thought I'm just being on my knees bowing and I'm just praying to God. No, the Holy Spirit's very active and the Jesus Christ is very active. So I want to look at those things. The whole bodily Godhead is present in so many things. And so many times we just, we just kind of gloss over maybe a couple of those things. I want you to notice he's, a, he's active. The second one, and actually this is my favorite one because I'm kind of a, a, a facts kind of person. It says, the invisible things of him from the, cert, from the creation of the world are clearly seen, being understood by the things that are made, even his eternal power and Godhead. I want to show you a handful of things. As a matter of fact, I got an outline that I did probably about 15 years ago of all the things in science that are three in one. It's absolutely amazing how many things are three in one. I'll give you a handful. But to me, that's like God painted a picture, and in the little right-hand corner, he put a little signature, and he says, God. Well, he created something, and by having three parts to it, all formed and necessary to make the one functional unit, it's kind of like he put a little signature in the corner of blood, or in the, co- in the corner of light, or in the corner of music. And it's like saying, that's my God. And this, we, see the, we see the three in one. And we'll get into that in a little bit. I love that. Matter of fact, as I'm sharing, I'm getting goosebumps on the top of my head. Just to look out at nature and see his creation and every, all these three in ones. It's just amazing. Okay? And then the last one. Acts 17, 29. This is the third time Godhead shows up that we'll look at. Well, no, it only shows up three times in the Bible. This is the last one we'll look at. For as much then... As we are the offspring of God, we ought not to think that Godhead is like unto gold or silver or stone, graven by art and man's device. What we're going to do is we're going to look at things in God's word, and we're going to see there's three. And underneath that, there's layers of three. And underneath that, there's layers of three more. It's like, it's, it's just, it's so all-encompassing. It's just, it's just mind-blowing. And, and it's just beyond our comprehension. That's the way it works. That's how fascinating it is. So, do you think this is going to be a boring sermon on the Trinity? Maybe, hopefully it's not. Maybe you'll just be awed by him and everything he's set up. So we're going to look at the first one, and we're going to look at that one. And this is uh, the one where, where all the fullness of God had, and we're going to look at four spiritual things, Okay. And I want you to know that our eternal salvation is a function of the Godhead. All three are really important. And I ask, God, why did you do it that way? I don't know, but that's just the way he did everything, right? Could he have done all everything by himself, the Father? I think probably could, but he didn't. He did it this way because that's the way he did everything, okay? In salvation, I've got three verses I want you to consider. In 1 Peter 1, 2, it says, Elect according to the foreknowledge of God the Father, there's one, through sanctification of the Spirit, that's two, unto the obedience and the sprinkling of blood of Jesus Christ. It took all three of those things to get you glory bound. 
A repeat in Jude 1, sanctified by God the Father. He set you apart in a holy way, preserved in Jesus Christ, and called by the Spirit. All three are there again. And also, even in the resurrection, the Godhead is there. We think the resurrection, that's Jesus' second coming. Yeah, but who's going to call all those dead people out of the grave? The Holy Spirit's going to do that, right? And where are they going to go? To God sitting on his throne. So even in the resurrection, the Godhead is present. God, why did you do it that way? I don't know, but I think it's glorious to see it over and over and over again. Okay? Two, in service. This is the local church. This passage you can find in Ephesians 2, 20 through 22. I'm paraphrasing this. But Jesus Christ is the cornerstone of a holy temple in the Lord, built together for a habitation of God through the Spirit. Even the local church, and I think that's talking about a local church, talking about you got a foundation, Jesus Christ is the cornerstone. It's God's house, and inside God's house is dwelling the Holy Spirit. They're all present. Ephesians 2.18. This is the one um, relative to prayer. Think of, I like to think about it this way. I, I was thinking of a, a tangible... And I want you to go back to like an old-fashioned television show or movie, black and white. Do you, do you remember Andy Griffith? And he got on the phone and he says, hey, Sarah, put me through to whoever, doctor or whatever it was, right? You know what Sarah was doing? Sarah was the switchboard operator. She was taking a cord and plugging it through, right? Well, if you think about it, God's the one you're talking to. Sarah, Jesus Christ is patching you through and the Holy Spirit's the wire that's getting you there. That's it right there. Okay. Ephesians 2, 18, through him, Jesus, we both have access by one spirit into the Father. There's the Trinity. That's how we pray. And I could show you more verses, but that's how it works. Even the Trinity is present when you pray. And then the last one I'd like to look at relative to this would be obedience, our obedience. 1 John 3, 23 and 24. Believe on the name of his Son, his, his son is the father's son. That's Jesus Christ. There's the second one. And love one another. And hereby we know that he abideth in us by the spirit which he giveth us. There's the spirit and he gave us. There's God again. So it's God's son. There's the son and there's the spirit and there's God. And that's how we abide in him. So even obedience, the Trinity is available or is, is, is there in his presence. You just thought First John 5, 7, that's the Trinity and that's it. Do you, do you realize how many passages are showing up with all three presents? What, what happens is, is they have different functions, but, but they're persons, they're all one and the same, they're one in being, okay? Let's look in, in, our, in ministry. Uh, this is John fourteen twenty six. This one says, The Comforter whom the Father sendeth will send in my name. Ooh, there's all three right there. Who's the Comforter? That's the Holy Ghost. How the Holy Ghost get there? The Father sent him. Whose name did he send him? He sent him in Jesus Christ's name. And he shall teach you all things and bring all things to your remembrance. Whatsoever I have said unto you. Oh man, I can't remember that verse. You know what? You need the Trinity. You need the Father sending the Holy Spirit to teach you what Jesus said. Right? John fifteen twenty six. The Comforter who I will send uh, unto you from the Father. There it is again. Even the Spirit of Truth which proceedeth from the Father and shall testify of me, the me there is Jesus Christ. So even again, we see the Trinity. 
And then finally, Ephesians 3, 16 through 19. Again, this is paraphrased. We're strengthened by his might, by his spirit in the inner man, that Christ may dwell in your hearts by faith and to know the love of Christ filled with all the fullness of God. Wow. Be filled with the spirit, with the love of Christ and the fullness of God. That's the full package. That's what we need. So the Trinity is present in our prayer life. It's present in our churches. It's present in our faith. It's present in our obedience. We need all three of them working together for us. Okay? Got one more in this right here. In design. In design. This is you, a saint. 1 Corinthians 6, 19 and 20. Your body is the temple of the Holy Ghost. You are bought with a price. You know what that price was? was? It's the the blood of Jesus Christ. Therefore glorify God in your body and your spirit, which are God's. The Trinity is there present for you, right? You're the temple of the Holy Ghost. Jesus Christ paid it. He bought it. And because he bought it, who owns it? God owns it. Ephesians 1, 5. This is adoption. Adoption is a... I love that illustration. Think of a natural adoption. You, got, you, you, you go to the orphanage and you go, I want that one. Okay? And then you get a lawyer and the lawyer goes to the judge and what he does is he pays all the things and he secures a name change. He takes care of all the leak work. That's Jesus Christ. And then the Holy Spirit comes and takes the little boy or the little girl and puts them in the back seat and you drive them home. That's possession. Well, that's the way God did adoption. God, Ephesians 1, 5, the word adoption is used and it's talking about Jesus going, or God going to the orphanage. He says, I want that one right there. And over in Galatians 4, 5, the word adoption is used again and it's talking about Jesus Christ taking care of all the legal work. He's your advocate, he's your counselor and he went to the judge and he secured your name change. And then you go to Romans 8, 15 and 16 and the Holy Ghost took Possession. Think about adoption this way. If any one of the three were left out, let's suppose the third one was left off. God goes to the orphanage and says, I want that one. Jesus goes to the judge before the judge and takes care of the late work, but the Holy He never takes you home. What good would that adoption do? Right? Well, let's let's let's, let's skip the second one. God goes and he says, I want that one. The Holy Ghost takes him and takes you home, but the legal work was never taken care of. Is that tenuous? Yeah, you could be snatched out of there any time, right? But if Jesus Christ, let's leave the first one out now. If Jesus Christ goes and takes care of the league work and he secures a name change, but your name was never mentioned, it was never picked. And the Holy Ghost takes possession, but he was, doesn't know which one to take because he doesn't know who was picked. So, so you got to have all three. Well, adoption was used to describe one aspect of how you become a child of God. Right? There's three ways you can get in God's family, right? Through adoption, through birth, and through marriage. God took care of adoption, Jesus through marriage, and spirit through birth, right? There it is right there. The whole Trinity right there. He's got you coming and going. It gives me goosebumps just thinking about it. And the last one, <clears throat> ordination, Jesus' ordination. When Jesus was baptized... And heaven opened up, the Spirit descended, and the Father spoke. Do you see the Trinity present at his baptism? And I call that his ordination because that's when his public ministry started. 
God laid hands on him and says, Thou art my son. And he's going to turn this world upside down. And he went out forth preaching the gospel and he started his ministry on that day. Isn't that amazing? The whole Trinity is important. I believe the Trinity is present when you get baptized and it's just not the words the preacher says, the Father, you know, in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost. There's more going on than there. So, Okay, that was the first one. The first time Godhead was used was in Colossians 2, 8, and 9. This is the second time, and I've got to admit I'm partial to this one. <clears throat> this is actually something that caught my attention when I was first coming around, and I didn't have a whole lot of Bible background. You know me, I grew up in an order that didn't really promote the reading of the Bible. So it was this kind of stuff that really caught my attention. Okay? Uh, this is in Romans 1.20. The invisible things of him from the creation of the world are clearly seen. This is things that I can see with my eyeballs. And there's some things I can't see with my eyeballs. Right? Okay, the elements of creation. Time is recorded in past, present, and future. But to us, that's how we look at it. But to God, it's just eternity. There is no time. Space is height, width, and depth to us. But the universe... It's just the universe to God. And matter is solid, liquid, and gas to us. And you know what? They're all made of atoms. Right? What makes up an atom? Electrons, protons, and neutrons. And you know, if you go and you bear down on the electron, there's three kinds of electropulses in there. Layers of three. Isn't that amazing? Everything on earth is made up of atoms, and everything on earth has its little signature, says God in the right-hand corner. You need three particles. If one of them are missing, you don't have an atom. Okay, mortal man, you, you are body, soul, and spirit. You are a three-part being. That's because you are made in God's image. Did you know in the blood, to have valid blood, you've got to have three kinds of blood cells? You've got to have white blood cells, you've got to have red blood cells, and you've got to have... The platelets. Now there's the fancy scientific terms. I'll stumble pronouncing those. But you can't. you got to have all three kinds. In the life, there's three kinds of blood cells. Isn't that something? And the same thing with the seed. There's three important parts of the seed that got to be there for the seed to have life. Let me go one more. This is one of my favorite, okay? In light... Okay, so we walk outside and finally the day of the rain is over from yesterday and we actually got sunlight hitting uh, the driveway out there. And in the light, we got a light beam that comes down. Did you know light is made up of three different kinds of rays? There is the illuminating light that helps you to see. There's the ultraviolet light. That's the one that gives you vitamin D and makes plants metabolize. And there's infrared and that's what gives you warm. So it's one source of light, but in it there's three waves. And without any one of the waves, you don't have light. Three in one. They're all necessary. Jesus said, I am the light. What are you saying? He's in the signal. There's three in one. There's all three there. Color. Every color is created from red, blue, and yellow. Music. Every hymn is created from melody, harmony, and rhythm. You need all three to make it. I don't know. I, I don't. How did God create a world that was so dependent on three and one? I, I don't know how he did it, but he did it. And I'm just kind of brushing the surface. There's more behind this. 
Pick up a science book. I'll give you some notes from about 15 years ago. It's amazing how many things rifle through science that God's a little signature on there that it takes these three things, all three components, to make this whole thing function. Let's go to the last one. The last time Godhead shows up is in Acts 17.29. 17.29. For then, as we are offsprings of God, we ought not to think that the Godhead is likened to gold, silver, or stone, graven by art or man's device. God is so much richer and deeper than anything we can actually ever come up with. Okay? And these are just some amazing things to me. In the Old Testament, the glory of the Lord filled three different tabernacles. It happened on three occasions, right? It filled the tabernacle in the wilderness. That was the tent. It was the stone one that Solomon built, and it was the building in Ezekiel's vision. Did you know in the New Testament, the Holy, Empower, the Holy Ghost empowered three different churches? Really? Yeah. It did it at Pentecost to the Jews, it did it to the Samaritans, the half-breeds, and did it at Cornelius's house to the Gentiles. Three different times. God, why'd you do that? Why would you just get them all together and do it one time? Because he's God and that's his pattern. That's the way he, he, his design is. And then finally in heaven, when we finally do get to heaven, there'll be three folks worshiping. There'll be the Lord and his angels and his children. We'll be gathered there for eternity. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Okay. Jesus' ministry. Now, these are just, I mean, it just, there are too many coincidences to just be a coincidence. There's, there's too many occurrences, Okay. In Jesus' ministry, he was confirmed from heaven by the Lord with his voice three times. Okay? Jesus taught and modeled. He did it three ways. He laid down his life. He redeemed his elect, and now he intercedes on the right hand of God for us. That's his ministry. Jesus prayed the same prayer three times with his inner three that he met with on three occasions. How does that happen? How does that happen? Layers upon layers upon layers. There was a time where David messed up. And this is just to kind of introduce the subject. But when David messed up, he counted the people and he shouldn't have counted the people. Even Joab, who was kind of a scoundrel, said, David, I don't think you ought to count the people. And he says, no, count the people. And he did. And do you remember what happened? God said, should have done that. I'm going to give you a penalty. I'm going to give you three choices. You can have three days of famine, three months of being overthrown by the enemy, or three years of dearth. See the three choices and the layers of three underneath? Isn't that amazing? When Jesus was tried, did you know he went to three courtrooms? He went to the Jewish courtroom. He went to the Roman courtroom. And there was a courtroom before God. And guess how many times he was tried in the Jewish courtroom? Three times. By Caiaphas, by Annas, and then by the Sanhedrin. And guess how many times he was tried in the Roman courtroom? Three times. By Pilate, by Herod, and then by Pilate again. And guess how many times he was tried by God? Three times. God had to make judgment that this lamb was a worthy lamb acceptable for sacrifice. 
He made another judgment on you and I that we committed sin and we were guilty. And then he made another judgment after Jesus died and he says, I'm reconciled. That's the payment's enough. I'm settled. I'm satisfied. Three judgments. Y'all, I can't just make this stuff up. This is by an everlasting God that talked about threes and the layers of threes. They just keep on going. Why? Because that's God's nature. That's who he is. He's a three-in-one God. And it shows up in nature. It shows up in his design for the church. It shows up in your salvation. It shows up the way you pray. It shows up in your local church. It shows up in you being a third-part person, body, soul, and spirit. Can you explain that? No, but I believe it. Why? Because it's just childlike faith. Okay, I just see I just see it so much, so many places, so many places from nature to spiritual to to to, to, to the way he designed things. It just I give up, God. I, you just you just just absolutely awe me. So we have a triune God, and what he said on the sixth day, he said, "Let us." Who's the us? Father, Son, and Holy Ghost. Father, Word, Holy Ghost. Now, Holy Ghost, Spirit. Comforter, they're all the same thing. Jesus Christ, the Son of God, both the same thing. The Word, same thing, right? Let us make man in our image. What's our image? We're three in one. We're going to make man a three in one after our likeness. And that's the way we were made. Now, the only thing I can say to that is he made us perfect. We fell Jesus came to the earth and fixed us. And there's coming a day when he's going to reunite this crack pot with a good spirit and we will be one and we'll be perfect again and we'll be like him again. But now, all these three parts, we're, we're working there. The spirit's been fixed and we, we, hopefully the soul's getting closer. But the, pot, the, 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 the flesh part's not there. But there's coming a day when that'll happen. And I praise the Lord. So, we believe in the Trinity. We believe in a God that has three personalities. Those personalities perform different functions. Can you explain it? Not entirely. But I believe it. I see it in too many places. And I know if one of them's missing or one of them I've broken a little bit and misunderstood in my head, I've broken the whole thing. It's got to be harmonious. And that's what we praise the Lord for. So, that's the triune God I worship. I praise the triune God you worship. It's the one I try to share. But to me, it's just, just amazing. So if, if, if you're in a, a, a biology class, and you're in there, and someone asks a question, and you say, how does that blood work again? Oh, there's three bloods, but there's just one blood, blood cells, but there's only one blood cell. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Or maybe you're in a, a physics class, and you're saying, oh, there's three light waves, but there's the waves that's only one light, but you need all three to make. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, okay. I wonder where that came from. It came from a great God. May the Lord bless you. Thank you.